Welcome to the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators podcasts. My name is Natalia Otlinger, and today I'm here with Claire Morel from Brian Cave Layton Paisner to discuss the problem of cybersecurity in international arbitration. Claire has a mixed civil law common law background and is qualified to practice in England and Wales and in New York. Originally from Belgium, Claire is based in London when she has been practicing international arbitration for 12 years. Thank you, Claire, for being here today. Thank you for the invitation. It's a real pleasure for me to be back to the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, where I gained my very first work experience in the field of arbitration. We can nowadays see a great increase in cyber attacks on corporates, governments and international organizations. Almost not a month goes by without a piece of news about new hackers' attacks, data breaches or other cyber violations. Proceedings in international arbitration are not immune to these threats. Yet at the moment there is little guidelines and no formal rules as what are the best practices to increase cybersecurity in the context of arbitration. That's why I'm here today with Claire, who has conducted significant research on the subject and agreed to share her perspective with us. For a start, could you please explain how cybersecurity is relevant to your practice? Sure. I started to look into cybersecurity in international arbitration when I began to sit as an arbitrator. Until then, my experience as counsel had suggested to me that cybersecurity was not considered to be an important issue. Virtually no rules or guidelines addressed cybersecurity and it was almost never raised by either the parties, the tribunal or the institution. But the absence of concern on the part of the arbitration community did not reflect my discussions with clients. Our clients consider cybersecurity as a top priority, particularly in my technology dispute practice where considerations of secrecy and confidentiality are often at the heart of the dispute and a major concern for clients. So there seemed to be a mismatch between our clients' interests on the one hand and international arbitration practices on the other. In my view, addressing cybersecurity in a sustainable and systemic manner is essential to preserve the reputation of international arbitration in a world increasingly dominated by technology. I also believe that cybersecurity represents an opportunity for the arbitration community and arbitral institutions to stand out from the competition in dispute resolution. And why is cybersecurity an important problem, particularly for international arbitration? Because the risks are multiple and broad in scope. The primary risk is obviously data theft. In the context of arbitration, a security breach could have several ramifications. A security breach may result in attorney-client privilege being breached. It may result in confidential information being disclosed. Such information may concern the dispute itself, the party's strategy, assets, or even tribunal deliberations. Disclosure of confidential information may have far-reaching implications. For example, it may lead to penalties or liabilities arising out of data protection regulations. It may result in duties of confidentiality to third parties being breached. As regards deliberations and draft awards, a security breach affecting that part of the process 
would jeopardize the integrity of the proceedings and the validity of the ensuing award. Such a breach may expose arbitrators to criticism, retaliation, it may have political implications, it could even influence financial markets. Think of a draft award that purports to order a publicly listed company to pay a substantial sum of money. In the event a draft of this award were to be illegally intercepted, the information contained in it could potentially give an advantage to traders and further impact the public company's share value. Is international arbitration specifically prone to cyber attacks? Yes. Historically, one of the key advantages of arbitration was to be able to settle disputes behind closed doors. There are three factors that initially justified the need for a private process and which, in my view, make international arbitration an attractive target for hackers. First, the nature of disputes submitted to arbitration. Many international arbitrations relate to disputes of a sensitive nature due to their subject matter. Disputes submitted to international arbitration generally require evidence of facts which are not in the public domain and which may have the potential to influence politics and financial markets, as I said. The data involved may relate to the existence and value of assets, IP rights, trade secrets, know-how, or other valuable property information, all of which are attractive targets. Second, parties involved in international arbitration tend to be multinational groups, governments or state entities, public figures or NGOs. These types of organizations are often themselves prominent targets of cybersecurity attacks. Third, international arbitration involves actors from different jurisdictions that operate from a variety of settings. Parties are typically represented by large and often cross-border teams. In-house lawyers, counsel and arbitrators tend to travel extensively and work from multiple places, including hotels, airport lounges and private home offices. What are the points of weakness? Communication is of course a primary concern. Email communication is the norm in international arbitration. This method of communication can represent a significant vulnerability. The manner in which data is stored is also an issue and constitutes a risk for arbitrators, particularly sole practitioners, institutions, but also law firms. Recent data breaches on law firms have demonstrated that even reputable law firms with sophisticated IT systems are not immune from their systems being compromised. The degree of risk will depend on the nature of the dispute, the identity of the parties and other factors. But in my view, there are some common risks that arise in virtually all cases. The challenge is therefore to design solutions that address these baseline risks across the board rather than on an ad hoc basis. This is what I refer to in my writings as a systemic approach to cybersecurity. We keep referring to these problems as potential risks. Is cybersecurity a real problem or are we making a big deal out of remote possibility? Last year my firm conducted a survey on cybersecurity in international arbitration. We asked arbitrators, corporate counsel, external lawyers, users of arbitration 
and those working at arbitral institutions to tell us about their experience and opinion on this subject. The results released in February 2019 reflected the input from 105 respondents who take part in arbitration in different capacities and from all leading arbitration jurisdictions. The results of this survey confirmed that the importance of cybersecurity is now widely recognized. 90% of respondents said that it was an important issue in international arbitration. Even more relevant to your question, when asked about their own experience of security breach, 11% of respondents to this survey indicated that they had experienced arbitral proceedings being compromised by hacking activity, that more than one respondent out of 10 was involved in an arbitration that was the subject of a security breach, in itself demonstrates that cybersecurity is a real issue. Are there any publicly known examples of a security breach in an arbitration? Yes, there are a few known cases where the issue of cybersecurity came up. The South China Sea arbitration is an interesting example. This was an arbitration case brought by the Republic of the Philippines against the People's Republic of China. The arbitration was administered by the Permanent Court of Arbitration in the Hague. The hacking took place in 2015 during a hearing. On day three of the hearing, the web page of the PCA website was infected with a virus targeted at the website's users. Very little official information is available about the nature and author of the attack. But understand that the virus was implemented through a corrupted Adobe Flash file. This corrupted file meant that any user of the relevant section of the PCA website who had Adobe Flash installed on their own computer was at risk of a data theft. Visitors of the relevant PCA webpage were likely to be lawyers, diplomats, and public officers interested in the dispute. Whether any user was indeed victim of a data breach is unknown. The hacking technique used in this case is called watering hole. The watering hole technique is a scheme by which hackers guess or establish that their targets are likely to visit a certain web page which they then attack instead of directly attacking the target's IT systems. You mentioned before that electronic communication is another typical point of weakness. Are there any examples of cases where emails were intercepted? Yes, this is what happened in the case of Libanenko versus Turkey, an exit arbitration. In this case, allegations were made by the claimant, Libanenko, that he had been the subject of surveillance through illegal interception of communications between Libanenko itself and its council. Libanenko alleged that more than 2,000 privileged emails had been intercepted by Turkey, its opponent. Can hacking activity impact on the admissibility of evidence in arbitration? Yes, absolutely. There are examples of cases where the arbitral tribunal had to grapple with the issue of admissibility of materials indirectly obtained from hacking activity. This is sometimes referred to as the doctrine of the fruit of the poisonous tree. For example, in the case of Karatu versus Kazakhstan, the claimant sought to admit into evidence certain documents that were leaked and published on a WikiLeaks-type website. 
following a hack of the Kazakh government's computer networks. The tribunal allowed the non-privileged documents to be admitted on the basis that these documents were material and relevant to the dispute and that they were already lawfully available to the public. These situations seem to have far-reaching consequences. How then should cybersecurity be tackled in the international arbitration industry? Cybersecurity in international arbitration is a complex question on multiple levels. Measures aimed at mitigating risks involve considerations of information security, a rapidly evolving and highly technical area. Such measures may also impact various aspects of an arbitration, including its administration and procedure. Cybersecurity considerations may influence how participants conduct an arbitration, how well they maintain and structure their own information technology systems and networks. In addition, cybersecurity measures may give rise to procedural issues. For example, the format in which documents are to be produced and ultimately how much information is shared by one party with another and by what means. As part of my firm survey I mentioned earlier, we asked whether cybersecurity was a matter of procedure or administration. 52% of respondents to the survey answered that it was a procedural matter for the tribunal, while 42% felt that it was an administrative matter for the arbitral institution overseeing the proceedings. And why is the distinction between cybersecurity being a procedural or an administrative matter so important? If cybersecurity is a matter of procedure, cybersecurity measures would fall squarely within arbitrator's function and cybersecurity measures could be embedded in procedural orders. On the other hand, if cybersecurity is a matter of administration, cybersecurity measures would have to be introduced either by the institution, if there is one, or by way of a contract between the parties and the arbitrators. In my view, the nature of available cybersecurity measures should inform who is best placed to address cybersecurity and how potential measures should fit within the legal framework of international arbitration. If you take a step back and think about the purpose of a cybersecurity measure, it seems to me that the rationale for a cybersecurity measure is to protect arbitration data from being intercepted, altered or destroyed. In contrast, the rationale for a procedural measure is the conduct of the arbitration and the resolution of the dispute on the merits. There seem to be distinct underlying concerns here. Cybersecurity measures are generally designed on the basis of technical considerations, when procedural rulings are generally made on the basis of fairness and due process considerations. So who should take on the responsibility to tackle the issue of cybersecurity in international arbitration? In my view, technical measures intended to address cybersecurity risks can only be comprehensively formulated by IT experts who have an understanding of how cyber attacks are performed. International arbitration practitioners and individuals who typically represent commercial parties in arbitration proceedings are not ordinarily trained to identify cybersecurity risks and design appropriate 
preventive measures. So arbitral institutions, whose mission is to administer arbitration, may be better placed than counsel and arbitrators to take responsibility for oversight of this. Institutions can also potentially offer administrative solutions that would address cybersecurity issues on a systemic basis. Institutions are able to amend their rules and policies and effectively regulate the way documents and data are stored and shared by all participants. In addition, unlike tribunals, institutions are permanent, which means that they can implement change across all their cases and, in the long term, increase the level of security in arbitrations conducted under their rules. They can provide training to their case managers or introduce a cybersecurity advisor into their secretariat team. With respect to ad hoc arbitration, one could imagine a certification system by which arbitrators could have their IT systems and practices audited and certified by a third-party organization. The cybersecurity certificate would demonstrate that the particular individual or firm complies with certain security standards and has taken reasonable steps to protect the confidentiality of the proceedings or certain documents and data. Are there any arbitral institutions that have implemented cybersecurity measures in their rules or policies? Yes. Some institutions have introduced a secured online platform used for the communication of arbitral documents and information. Ideally, this platform should be used for all channels of communication, as well as storage, something which may have far-reaching consequences for the purpose of data protection regulations. The Stockholm Chamber of Commerce, for example, now has a platform. Other examples include CEPANI, the Belgian Arbitration Centre, the AAA and ICDR, and ICSID. Aside from these secured platforms, what measures may be considered by parties to address cybersecurity risks? The first step is to consider the data likely to be in play in the arbitration and to carry out a risk assessment. Parties may want to consider agreeing with other participants a protocol setting out technical measures or principles to be followed. For example, that each participant will take reasonable steps to mitigate the risk of security breach, or that each party will ensure that any experts or service provider agree to the protocol before being instructed or provided with any data. Parties may also want to agree notification to be given to other participants in the event of a discovered cybersecurity breach. In terms of practical measures, parties may want to agree to screen viewable-only documents production. Other options include encryption and redaction, or in extreme cases, production in hard copy only. Another issue parties should consider is the preservation of documents and data after the arbitration is over. And what should arbitrators consider doing to protect themselves from cybersecurity risks? On a practical level, arbitrators should make sure not to use unsecured internet connection, and adopt good data management practices, including after the arbitration is concluded. If they do not have IT support as part of a law firm or an academic institution, arbitrators may want to have their IT infrastructure and systems 
checked by a technician. They should also keep records of all steps taken to address cybersecurity risks. These records may prove useful in case an issue arises in the course of the arbitration. It is also a good idea for arbitrators to check that cybersecurity risks are covered by the professional liability insurance policy. Thank you, Claire, for this very informative explanation of the problem. Having heard the current statistics and examples which you referred to, I think we can all agree that cybersecurity is a critical concern in arbitration proceedings. I'm particularly grateful for your insights about practical measures which can be introduced to minimalize the risk of an attack. I hope that our listeners, especially counsel and arbitrators, had the chance to learn something and will be able to incorporate some cybersecurity solutions in their legal practice. Thanks once again for your time. It's my pleasure. <laughs>